Well, we turn now to God's Word. If you want to open up to our passage this morning, it's in the book of Leviticus. So if you have your uh, black Bible from the chairs there, it's page 95. Or if it's your own Bible, start at the beginning, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Sure, the last time you heard a Christmas time sermon from Leviticus, but uh, it, it, it is a part of our series. It's a part of our series that we're calling Knowing Christ, seeking to, to know Christ better, right? The very Christ of, uh, of Christmas, the Christ who arrived, and, and uh, this kind of fits in between what we talked about last week the, the eternal glory of Christ, uh, the, the one who made the world, the Creator. Uh, and, of course, we're going to get, get to our study, the, the arrival of the incarnation of Jesus. Uh, but, but what kind of happened between there? God, Jesus creating the world and Jesus arriving on earth. There's a lot, of, a lot that happened. Uh, and and that's, that's our Old Testament. Well, did, did the Old Testament people of God know Jesus? Uh, and the answer is they absolutely did. Um, Jesus himself says in Luke 24 that, that the entire Old Testament is about him. Uh, that, the, that through types and shadows and the Old Testament institutions and story, it's all about Jesus. And so what we want to do in the next three weeks uh, is look at three key Old Testament institutions and see it's all about Jesus. Uh, as, as we see what God did and instructed in the Old Testament, we'll see that there is is, is a, a pointing forward uh, to something bigger and better uh, that arrives in, in Christ. And so tonight, or this morning, we're going to look at uh, the Old Testament priest and see how this is a shadow of even better things uh, to come. And Leviticus is the place to look if you want to learn about the priest, because Leviticus is all about the work of the priest. Uh, and chapter 16 uh, is the big day of every year for the Old Testament priest. It's the Day of Atonement described, uh, and we'll read just a portion of what happens on the Day of Atonement, uh, Leviticus 1, or 16, 1 to 19. So let's, let's listen to God's word <clears throat> from the book of Leviticus. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they drew near before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark, so that he may not die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. But in this way, Aaron shall come into the holy place with a bull from the herd for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat and shall have the linen undergarment on his body and he shall tie the linen sash around his waist and wear the linen turban. These are the holy garments. He shall bathe his body in water and then put them on. And he shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and his house. And he shall... Take the two goats and set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats, one for the Lord and the other lot for Azazel. 
And Aaron shall present the goat on which the lot fell for the Lord and use it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell for Azazel he shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement over it, that it may be sent away into the wilderness to Azazel. Aaron uh, shall present the bull as a sin offering for himself and make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall kill the bull as a sin offering for himself, uh, and he shall take a, a, a censer full of coals of fire from, before the, from the altar before the Lord, and two handfuls of sweet incense, beaten small, and he shall bring it inside the veil and put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony, so that he does not die. And he shall uh, take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it uh, with his finger on the front of the mercy seat on the east side. And in front of the mercy seat he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Then he shall kill the, the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring its blood inside the veil and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Uh, thus he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleannesses of the people of Israel, because of their transgressions and all their sins. So that he shall do for the tented meeting which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleannesses. No one may be in the tented meeting from the time he enters to make atonement in the holy place until the time he comes out uh, for he, and has made atonement for himself and for his house and for all the assembly of Israel. Then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it and take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around, and he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times, and cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleannesses of the people of Israel. Let's pray. Lord, we do pray that you would use your word to show us the greatness of your love and your salvation. Lord, show us Jesus. Uh, he is our hope. Uh, and your very Son, the Savior, for we ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. What would you say is mankind's biggest problem? Mankind's biggest problem. Maybe that's too broad. What's your biggest problem? What's your biggest problem? The problem that if, if this one doesn't get fixed, the rest is, well, somewhat inconsequential. Window dressing. This has got to get fixed. This is the big problem. The book of Leviticus is all about solving Israel's biggest problem. The book of Leviticus was written uh, the days of Moses. Uh, God's people have been delivered out of Egypt out of slavery, they're in the wilderness, and they've just spent all this time constructing, at God's command, the tabernacle, this fancy, ornate tent. Uh, this tent that's set up and going to be placed uh, right in the middle of the Israelite encampment. It's a special tent. It's a royal tent. It's, it's God's tent. Because there, inside the tent, 
uh, is the Ark of the Covenant and, and the glory of God, the, the glory presence, that special glory of God comes and, and descends and dwells in that tent. In fact, that's the, the very last thing before you get to the book of, Exodus, or book of Leviticus. Uh, the very verse previous to it, uh, in the, at the end of Exodus, is the glory of God descends upon the tabernacle. So you kind of get the picture of the tabernacle. Is Here's the, the tent of God dwelling right in the middle of Israel. God dwelling right in the middle of his people. It's a glorious thing. It's a wonderful thing. God dwelling with his people, what a glorious gift. It's also a very, very big problem. How does the glory of the holy God dwell in the right in the middle of a very unholy people? How does, how does God not arrive and, and bring judgment for their unholiness? How does he not arrive and, and, and cast them out like, like Adam is cast out of the garden? Uh, how can a holy God uh, dwell in the midst of a very unholy people? Entered the book of Leviticus. God solves the problem. And, and the bottom line is, if you had to summarize it, God uh, fixes uh, this, this problem by the work of the priest. The priest arrives, is ordained, is established by God uh, to provide a way that the people might become holy so that they, ordinarily an unholy people, could remain and enjoy and be flourishing in the presence of a holy God, the work of the priest. But that's not just a history lesson, uh, because, well, the biggest problem that Israel has is the biggest problem that we have. And the solution for Israel points to the very important solution for us. Israel's problem is our problem. Our biggest problem uh, both mankind in general and you and me in specific, is our sin. And, and how our sin uh, affects being in the presence of God. Right? How could sinful me dwell in the presence of unholy God, or a holy God? Right? How could unholy you and me be near a holy God? Would we be cast out, uh, judged, destroyed, Right? You could think of that now, coming into God's presence. Uh, how, can we, how can we dwell safely here? Uh, or, or think of it in terms of eternity. Heaven is, is essentially God's dwelling place, where God is. How could, how could you, how could, how could I, uh, go into the presence and, and remain there, blessed, uh, alive, flourishing? We're unholy. And he's a holy God. God, that's our biggest problem. God solves that problem, the work of the priest. The Old Testament priest giving a picture of the great priest, Jesus. And that's what we want to talk about briefly this morning, is looking at the work of that Old Testament priest and seeing how it, how it solves our greatest problem and, and gives us uh, the greatest uh, good news that there is. Uh, so let's, let's look at this uh, Day of Atonement the great uh, high point of the priest, uh, and see what we can learn about Jesus. So the first thing we get into uh, in, in the, the Leviticus 16 is the preparations for the priest. So the Day of Atonement, 
Yom Kippur, that's what it is in Hebrew. Uh, this Day of Atonement happens once a year. It's the, it's the one time uh, when the high priest, Aaron here at this point, when the high priest is allowed to go into that inner room, uh, that inner holy of holies inside the tabernacle. Tabernacle is a tent. It has, has two rooms, outer room, courtyard around it. Uh, so this is the one time the priest is allowed to go into the courtyard, into that outer room, and into the inner room. That's where the, the Ark of the Covenant is. That's where uh, the symbolic dwelling place, throne room of God is. The, the fullness of the, the glory dwelling there. Uh, that's, this is how Aaron is able to go in. And it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. Actually, the, the verse 1 kind of sets up why it's a big deal by reminding everybody uh, about the two priests who died doing it the wrong way. Uh, the two sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, it's already happened in Leviticus, uh, that they, they went the wrong way into the presence of God. Uh, and there they were, unholy, uh, sinful, holy God, and they're struck down. And now God says, here's the way. Here's the way into the presence of God. Here's how the priest is to, is to do it, how to, to make the way safe. Well, first thing he's supposed to do is, uh, is prepare himself. He's to bathe. Washed with water. You get the picture. It's, it's cleansing. Cleansing from cleansing not from dirt, uh, uh, but symbolically from, from sin. Uh, they need to put on special garments. Uh, we're told about these holy garments, uh, linen undergarments, linen, uh, uh, linen uh, you know, robe, linen, linen turban. This is not, by the way, if you're familiar with uh, the, the very fancy jeweled garments uh, that the that the priest uh, ordinarily wears in his duties. Uh, this is much more simple. Uh, it's it's it speaks of humility, right? Just linen. Uh, it, it's it's simple because the priest, if he's going to go all the way in, he, he's got to come humbly, uh, penitently. This is a holy God, and he is most definitely not holy. And then uh, after uh, being properly washed and dressed. Uh, Aaron, or, or any high priest after him, has to make atonement for himself. Has to offer a sacrifice for himself, because he comes uh, as, as a sinner himself. Uh, so he, he can't offer sacrifice for the people. Uh, he can't represent them rightly to God now, if, if, with wearing, wearing the, the guilt of his own sin. So the first thing he needs to do is make sure that his sin is dealt with. And it's dealt with, as, as Leviticus has laid out, uh, through the sacrifice. Uh, through the sacrifice. Sacrifice, an animal here is the picture. An animal dies uh, so, that, so that Aaron might be cleansed. Right? Innocent, spotless animal uh, dies for guilty, uh, unholy Aaron. Uh, the blood being the picture of, of the life of the animal which is why the, the blood is sprinkled and, and, uh, and, and uh, put on the, the tabernacle, because the picture is, this life was given so that Aaron might live, so that Aaron might be cleansed. So he offers sacrifice for himself. The, the guilty cleansed because the innocent died. Now he's ready to do the work of the priest for others. Having been prepared, having been cleansed himself, now he can do the real work, which is offering, uh, offering the sacrifice for the people, right? And that's what's described in verses 15 to 19. Another animal, 
this time, one of the goats uh, is, is killed on behalf of the people. This is the people's sacrifice. And what does the, what is the, the priest Aaron do but take that blood into that inner room, into that holy of holies? And you might have caught it emphasized in the reading when you're reading book, books like Leviticus and it kind of gets repetitive. Uh, well, you kind of pay attention to the repetitive parts. If you hear things again and again and again and again, that's like, this is what we want you to remember. And one of the things you heard again and again was mercy seat, mercy seat, mercy seat. Put the blood on the mercy seat. Did you put the blood on the mercy seat? Put the blood on the mercy seat. What's the mercy seat? Well, in that inner room is the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is just a, a wooden box covered in gold. You might remember what's inside uh, that wooden box, uh, that golden box. It's the Ten Commandments. God's, God's law is, is present there uh, inside uh, the ark. On the top is, is a lid. The box has a lid. Uh, and the lid is called the uh, atonement cover or the, or the mercy seat. God is said here, you read of it in verse 2, for example, uh, to, to appear. The, the glory cloud presence of God is said to appear above the mercy seat. Uh, it's, it's a picture of a, of a throne. This is, this is God's royal tent. Uh, you, have, you have there his royal law, and, and here you have his, his royal seat, his, his throne. Uh, and he's dwelling there uh, in, the, in, in, his, in his tent. It's a royal picture. Um, his, his royal presence, his royal law. Of course, it also brings up a, a part of the problem. That's, that's being addressed. The problem is that law. Well, not with the law, but the fact that God's people have broken that law. Uh, right? So there is, there's the commandments. That's exactly what God's people have, have broken again and again. You could go back to Exodus and realize it's kind of a story of how often God's people break his law. Right? They worship other gods. They make a calf. They, uh, they're, not, they're not content. They covet uh, more water or, or different food or, you know, it's a story of them breaking God's commandments. That's the problem. Now, here's this royal king and his royal law, and he's present right with his people, but his people has broken that law. So what is Aaron to do but to take the blood of the sacrifice, right, the, the innocent one that died? Uh, the people is guilty. They deserve to be judged. They deserve to be judged like Nadab and Abihu and killed, but, uh, but, but instead this animal dies. And the animal's blood come, is come and brought into the holy place, into God's very throne room, and it's put very specifically, we're told, on that mercy seat. Um, right? The mercy seat where the, the commandments are under it, or in it, uh, underneath, uh, and God dwells over top. Uh, so, so what do you have? You kind of start to see the picture here. Uh, the, the, the law, which we've broken, now it gets, it gets covered over with blood. Right? So, so now it's, it's not God, as it were, uh, seeing the, the commandments that we've broken. Uh, it's now God seeing, seeing the blood of the innocent uh, covering over, covering over uh, his law. It's, it's, it's been, uh, debt's been paid. Uh, guilt has been, uh, guilt has been, justice has been done. Uh, as we read in, in, in Hebrews, right? God remembers our sins no more. Why? Yeah, because blood covers it. 
uncovers it. And then you get this symbolic picture here in the institution of the, of the priest as Aaron goes in and he puts that blood uh, over, over the mercy seat, covering over the commandments that we've broken. Uh, the innocent dies so that the, the guilty Israel, the guilty congregation, can go free. Um, but we said this is, this is our story as well. Uh, this is our problem. Right? We've broken God's law. How is it that, that we could go into God's presence? Uh, we need a priest to offer a sacrifice for us. But it's got to be better than all this. Like this, only better. And that's exactly what Hebrews makes the point. That, that these things, and Hebrews 9 and 10 actually is a, a really a sermon on the Day of Atonement. A sermon on Leviticus 16. Uh, and, and where the, the sermon goes is, yeah, look at Leviticus 16. You'll see Jesus uh, in, for, in the form of a shadow. A shadow of greater things. The greater thing being Jesus and his priestly work. And exactly, Jesus is just like the Old Testament priest, only better. Well, well let's walk our way through. We said, we said Aaron, in order to do his work, he's got he's to be prepared. First, he, he washes with water uh, to prepare himself. Jesus, does he get washed with water? Oh, yeah, that's right, he does. He arrives, and before he does any of his work, he's baptized, isn't he? Though you might remember, the point is specifically made that uh, even John gets it, uh, John the Baptist, that he's not being baptized because he's a sinner and needs to be cleansed, right? Not like the other people John baptized. Not like Aaron needing to be washed with water. Jesus... Uh, he's spotless. And the father even says at that point, You're my, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Now, he's washed with water uh, to identify with sinners. To identify with sinners. Ah, that's what we need. Okay. So he's, he's washed like the Old Testament priest. Then the Old Testament priest, we said, was, was clothed with those garments of humility to do his work. Well, you really can't get better garments of humility than what Jesus arrives wearing, right? He wears the garments of humanity, right? He comes as the holy God, but humbles himself to the lowest place, putting on, putting on true, full humanity. Paul says that the form of a servant, yeah, not because, not because he's a sinner humbling himself, but because he's the God who came to do the work of the priest, humbling himself to the lowest place. He doesn't need to make a sacrifice for his own sin. He's spotless, right? Aaron needed a, something to die for him, not Jesus, so he can really do the work of the priest. And he does it, right? Better than Aaron. Better than Aaron. How does Jesus work better than Aaron? Well, uh, the main way is he offers a better sacrifice. Right? We, we said Aaron, it's... It's the blood of bulls and goats. And Hebrews makes the point, blood of bulls and goats, that could never really deal with sin. Uh, yeah, it's a picture. Uh, it's an important outward purification picture. It can't really deal with, with sin uh, because it's, it's not a true representation of us. It's not, not a true, uh, the, the, the goat can't really stand in our place. Because we're not a goat. <laughs> it's someone made just like us, yet without sin, to bear uh, the judgment that we deserve. And that's Jesus. He comes bringing the better sacrifice himself. 
the ultimate innocent one, spotless one, who keeps God's law perfectly at every point. And, then, and yet, what does he do but, but offer himself up? Right? The ultimate priestly work there on the cross. He, he offers his body up. He offers his blood up. We'll even emphasize it here as we come to the, the Lord's table and see it in pictures. Right? He says, my body for you. Right? It's an offering. My blood shed for, for many, for you. Yeah, it's because he's the priest offering this better sacrifice, his own blood for us. The innocent dying in place of the guilty, all so that our, our sinful hearts can be cleansed. And, and once he does that, does that priestly work there at the cross, the cross being the great and final day of atonement, uh, after he does that work, it's, it's finished. It's, it's done. No more sacrifice needed. <laughs> Hebrews makes the point that Jesus, Jesus offers that sacrifice, and then, and then he ascends up into heaven, and he sits down at the right hand of God. Sits down as in, like, no more work to do, which is different than, than the work of the Old Testament priest, that keeps going, right? Aaron celebrated the Day of Atonement there in the wilderness, and then he did it again the next year, and then the next year, and then the next year, and then he died, and a new priest came, and then another Day of Atonement, year after year. And that's not even the daily sacrifices, day after day after day after day. Yeah, because they're not really dealing with sin, not until Jesus, who offers that one final sacrifice himself, offered, done, sits down, no more is needed. No more is needed. Sin is covered, washed clean. Our sins remembered no more because the final priest has offered his blood. It covers the, the heavenly mercy seat so that all God uh, sees is not our filthy record of sin, uh, of law-breaking, but instead the, the righteous <laughs> gift of his son, the righteous life and and innocent blood of his son offered for us. God's final solution to that big problem. So what do we do? What's, what's our response? Well, the, the sermon in Hebrews gives us the application section. And that's what, 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 uh, what Chris read earlier. The application section of the Hebrew sermon is, well, well, we draw near. We draw near. Here's what we read. Since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near uh, with a true heart in full assurance of faith. He says, well, if, if God has made the way through the Son and Jesus, if that blood really covers and there's no more that's needed, then the way has been made. And so the obvious application is, Christian, draw near to God and draw near in full Confidence. Full assurance. Full confidence. Uh, confident that when you go before God, he welcomes you. Confident that when you go before God, he will bless you and not judge you. When you go before God, he will give you what you need and not condemn you for what you've done. How can you be that confident? We doubt that sometimes, don't we? Um, in the midst of in the midst of everyday life, maybe it happened this week. You you get to a situation where man, I could really really use God's help here. And and maybe you're thinking, okay, I got I could I should go to God. I should ask Him for help. And, and there's that kind of little voice in the back of your head. Yeah, but if I asked God for help, 
would he really be happy to see me? Would he really be eager to answer that prayer? Right? He, might, he might for some other Christian, but I've had a really bad week. Or, or, I've, or I've had a really bad Christian life. Uh, and, and, and God's maybe a little reluctant to help. Maybe a little reluctant to see me uh, because, because look, look what I've done. So, so maybe you come, but you don't exactly come confident. Uh, or maybe you just don't come at all. Uh, you think, well, I guess I'm on my own. I'll just white-knuckle it, bare my fists, and charge forward, because I'm not sure God really is God. <coughs> and Hebrews says, think about the work of the priest. Think, think about the better Aaron. Think about the better Day of Atonement. That if the work of Christ really is done, final, and you're trusting in him, that's all you got. You just got Jesus. Hebrews says, well, draw near in full confidence. Because, not because you did the work, because he did the work. Not because you kept the law, but because his blood covers all your law-breaking. All that you did, all that you will do. And so that the way is made, not only for us to, to kind of crawl on our hands and knees to God, but, but to come confidently. Confidently. Because uh, he delights to see and answer. You can, you can draw near in full confidence. He, he will welcome you, believer. He will help you, believer. He will uh, have mercy and, and comfort and encourage and strengthen. Uh, is that arrogant to say, God will help me? I can go boldly and confidently? It's not arrogant at all. It's actually taking God at his word. Taking Christ and his sacrifice real. So you, you draw near when, when you're in need. You draw near when you've messed up, even badly. You draw near when you're anxious and you're overwhelmed. You draw near even for no other reason than, than, than you just want his presence and, and strength and, and the joy that only comes from him. And you draw near confidently because of the work of this priest, this Jesus that, that God has sent, right? the Father sent. This is his plan. This is exactly what he wants. He wants the way open. He wants, he wants us to be able to come confidently. And if you have Jesus, you can come without a shadow of a doubt, the God of the universe, yes, the Holy One himself, <laughs> welcome you, care for you, provide for you. That's the good news of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, will you pray that you would give us a greater, a greater sense of your mighty and finished work for us. Lord, even through the, the, these weird, strange things of the Old Covenant, to see how they, they give us a new sense of, of your great love and your uh, Son's work for us. And we pray that we would, uh, we would see it and draw greater and greater confidence in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.